Welcome to Everything Life Coaching. I'm John Kim. And I'm Noelle Cordeaux. We are the founders of Lumia. And we're super passionate about all things coaching, and we want to share what we've learned from over a decade of coaching and training thousands of life coaches. Let's dive into the science and magic of coaching. Hello, and welcome to Everything Life Coaching. Thank you so much for listening today. It's Noelle hosting. And as you know, one of the most important elements of what we do in our coach training program is our instructors. And so today I'm going to be speaking with Sharice Williams all about the role of mindfulness in coaching and really getting into what coaches need to know about mindfulness in order to deep in their craft. Sharice, how are you? I am doing great, Noelle. How are you? I am well also. As we dive in, first of all, thank you so much for hanging out with me today. Um, would you let us know who you are in the world and how you arrived to be one of our instructors at Lumia? Yes, I'd be delighted to. So I am a leadership and well-being coach, a speaker and author of The Joy of Thriving While Black. And I have been doing all those things full time just since January of 2020. Wow. Before that, I know it's kind of wild. Um, <laughs> seven weeks before the pandemic, I decided to hang out this shingle and the timing was actually really good, which I know we'll get into a little bit. But before that, I worked in the nonprofit sector on a variety of social justice issues from criminal and juvenile justice reform to education equity. I decided because of really incredible experiences with coaches that I had over the years to become a coach myself. And I researched a number of programs and when I stumbled across Lumia, I just had this intuitive hit that these were my people. I loved mm -hmm. the vibes. I loved the diversity of folks I saw in the program. I loved the tattoos and the plain accessible talk about what coaching is and what coaching isn't. And so I signed up and I began the program in the summer of 2019 graduated. And I think I've told this story to you before, um, Noel, but I remember sitting there in one of my first classes thinking, wow, how cool would it be <laughs> to work for this company someday? And even though I was a new coach, I'd spent a lot of time holding space for groups as a facilitator and an instructor in other contexts. So when you asked me to join the team, I think that was also in 2020, a very big year for me. <laughs> Around August, I was delighted and have been instructing for Lumia ever since. Yes, yes. And, you know, I am so profoundly grateful that almost every single one of our instructors um, has a background in social justice. And while that doesn't come to the fore in perhaps the everyday experience of instructing on mindfulness and coaching. Coaching itself is a progressive field and the code of ethics itself orients us in terms of intersectionality and in terms of um, 
injustice and systemic inequality in the world, you know, where we need to go. And you came into this space at such a pivotal time in our history. Um, what's on your mind as far as the intersection of coaching, how you enact it now, uh, how you teach, and the role that your background, everything that you've seen and done in the world, how does that show up for you? Well, you know, it's really interesting where you started because I think the fact that so many Lumia students and then instructors have done some work in social justice and at the very least are really, really thinking about how to do good in the world, how to leave this world better than we found it. It's one of the things that attracted me to the company and is one of the things I love about teaching because we spend, you know, they're just such incredible humans who show up in class week after week. And we have so much to learn from each other and so much to share with each other. Um, gosh, where do I even go from here? I mean, the world, I, we will always remember the year 2020. Yes. Right. And it's because to state maybe what may be a little bit obvious, I think the pandemic just heightened our experience and awareness of inequality, inequity, difference. And then we, we add that to what was happening in kind of the racial and political landscape I think the the desire for people to have more tools in their tool chest to make this world the place that we want to live in, you know, that's sustainable and kind and compassionate. And to do that successfully, we have to listen very deeply. We have to be able to see the world through other people's eyes. And even though we don't have, we may not have the same experiences, we have to build, you know, empathy and compassion. And that's all the things that we are called to do as coaches. And I firmly believe, I mean, going through coach training with Lumia, not only positioned me to do great work as a coach, and to now be an instructor. But the work itself can profoundly change our lives and our relationships for the better. So it's just ah, such a privilege to be doing this work right now. Yes. And I, I'm so glad that you're doing it. Um, something that comes up for me often that I say often that I write often is that uh, the ICF code of ethics standard number 28 says as coaches, we may not merely avoid bad, but it is our professional duty to push further and to do good. Um, and I am grateful that your work embodies that. Um, so thank you for sharing what you offer with our org. It's, um, it's really vital. And thinking about you know, I know that your business has taken lots of twists and turns and what you do with your time has taken lots of twists and turns. Um, when I had the privilege to preview your book, 
what showed up for me so powerfully was you had just created the class for us on mindfulness and coaching. And so much of what I felt from your book was a user's guide to accessing joy mindfully through the lens of coaching. Yeah. What do you see happening within your own niche? Why is this important for coaches? Why is this important for humans? Um, why did you birth your book? Uh, what do we need to know? So this this question brings up a lot for me, Noel, and and there is a tension at the center of this work that I think is exciting. Like the tension can be a creative space. So on the one hand, things happen in the world, in life, day after day that we don't have immediate control over. And even if it's a, an injustice or something else, the way we can exert our influence, use our voice, have some control may not have may not produce immediate results. And so sometimes we're playing a long game when it, when it comes to changing the outside world. And sometimes we're successful and sometimes we're not. And for women, queer folks, first generation Americans, Black people, Latinx folks, differently abled folks, you know, you can layer on a number of identities that can make it even um, more difficult to thrive. Mm. And so my book sought to kind of name and call out those realities in a very real way. But as a human being, you know, even before I came to coaching, I always sought out the tools and resources that I could use day in and day out within my control to maintain a sense of calm, peace, and equanimity. Mm. And one of those tools has been yoga since I was 18 years old, which was like a century ago. <laughs> <laughs> Me but too. I, <laughs> I became a yoga instructor um, in 2015. And one of the first principles in yoga is ahimsa, which means non-harming. So the very first thing that we can do to impact the world is not harm ourselves or each other. And mm. so... In the most difficult of times, stressful of times, you know, when I thought I was going to, you know, go nuts <laughs> in the house because of quarantine, I would come back to those same principles and tools over and over again, coming back to my breath, coming back to my thoughts to do whatever I could do within my own little corner of the world even if that corner was just within my mind and my body to come back to a point of stasis so that I could show up as my best self um, when I came back from that place. 
Thank you for that description. As I was listening to you, uh, it was the perfect lead up. So, you know, what you described coming back into your body, operating from a place of stasis, that's the correlation between self-awareness, mindfulness, and coaching in the way that we employ it in session with our clients to truly harness our mind in a way where we cease to exist and become a conduit for Ooh, others. Yeah. What is your class like? We begin by just unpacking the definition of mindfulness. And that's really fun because before we get into the content, and I, we do this a lot in our classes at Lumia on purpose. We try to mine the expertise and knowledge and wisdom that students are already bringing to class, right? So we just start off by saying, what is mindfulness? And we get lots of definitions. We build a definition together and all of it is right. People talk about being present, being non-judgmental, being compassionate, being in the moment, all these things. And then we dive into a definition and we use John Cabot Zinn's definition just because he was a person and obviously meditation has been going on for millennia, but he was the person who kind of commissioned a study of mindfulness at the teach teaching hospital he was working at at the time. He was a biologist, but he also practiced mindfulness and he was very concerned that patients were leaving the hospital who weren't being cured or healed. And so he wondered if the, the positive impact of mindfulness meditation on the body and brain could be measured. And if so, what the impact was, and maybe that would be something that could be offered to patients. Well, he got his study you know, funded and found that the impact of mindfulness on the brain can indeed be measured and it leads to kind of a lower stress response, getting out of fight or flight mode, um, calmer energy, more peace, better decision-making. So after we ground ourselves in that data, then students share, what are some mindfulness practices that you have? And we get lots of shares and people share how those practices impact them. And then we talk about, kind of mindfulness, how we kind of bring that sense of shared expectations to the coaching conversation through the contract, through the agreement, how we then use mindfulness to build trust and safety with our clients. Mm. And then the piece that I think is the most, that's really fun for me, that kind of creates an aha moment because we do mindfulness, you know, let's say like a third of the way through. So students have already taken the active listening class. So we do a review. What is active listening? And everyone kind of throws out all these things. And then we say, wow, our definition of active listening is very similar to our definition of mindfulness. So we play with that a little bit. And then we move into some exercises where we really practice 
deep listening of a student in the class who volunteers to share something very simple, like how their week was. And we practice listening to the words, tone of voice, body language, sighing, smiling, talking faster, talking slower. So a really, really deep listening and presence. After that, I ask a spicier question. And depending on the times, it might be something like, okay, now we're going to listen to a person talk about their, how they feel their state or their country is responding to the pandemic. We did it like your feelings about the presidential election. And the point of that is not to debate the substance of what the person says, but to get everyone to share what happened in their own body just when the topic came up. Yes. Was there some tension, right? Yes. (laughs) Did you find yourself holding your breath? And so after we finish that exercise, then we turn it back to when it comes to the coaching conversation, you have, you know, vetted your clients, you've had a discovery call, you're aligned. And then you come into a session, you just say hello, and your client starts sounding off about something that is going on in the world that they feel strongly about. And you have the exact opposite opinion. How do you notice those reactions in your body? Breathe, say some things to yourself to calm your nervous system so that you can, as you said so eloquently, um, Noel, kind of dissolve your own ego, if you will, the stories that might be going through your brain, your aversion to whatever that is, so you can be 100% present for your client and their goals and their vision. So that's the journey, the journey of the two hour class. Absolutely. And, and I know I love that class and I love this practice. It's, it's one of my favorite practices as a coach in the ICF standards. It's called embodying a coaching mindset where we really get in there. And what I find fascinating from a coach practitioner perspective is that you know what you just described is the baseline expertise that a young coach needs to get to to say okay you know what is the minimum standard ethically that i need to offer to my client in terms of holding a space of non-judgment and I, it is you know as you know and i can't stress enough for our listeners a true practice yeah. to deepen with this work but once you're able to begin to dissolve your own rec- reactivity, your own, um, the frenzy of your own brain, what comes in place of that through active listening is an intuitive sense where you begin to be able to listen with your senses, including your own intuition in the service of someone else's life. Yeah. And for me, when that started happening, when I began to get full body tingles listening to someone, when I felt like I was transported to another portal because I was so in the zone of their life, I, I realized, holy shit, you know, this is a transcendent space. Um, and there's freedom in that, that you kind of, 
get to take a vacation from your own life (laughs) and truly tap in to someone else's existence. And, you know, and, and that's for me, you know, in, especially in a time where all of us um, are consciously or subconsciously just on edge to know that it's not only appropriate to hang up your boxing gloves, but it's what's required of your craft in order to deepen your relationship with intuition. Oh, that was so beautifully said. I would love to pick up on that. I love that you named that as being a transcendent space. Mm. You know, I it doesn't happen every moment in every session, but when it does, it really is very beautiful. And one of the things that I've learned from Lumia is that when you find yourself working, quote unquote, too hard as a coach in a session, it is because you're thinking, planning ahead, trying to think of the next question, trying to lead. And that when you're in that space that you described, Noel, you really are co-creating with the client second by second, moment by moment, the experience. And there is real freedom in that. And it does take a lot of practice to, to master that space. And I am very much in that practice. Yes, yes. And, um, I, and just through, through your, your leadership experience, through your work as a yoga instructor, through your relationship with mindfulness, I know you've been on this trail for a long time. What would you tell coaches who are looking to specialize? in this space, in the space of mindfulness and coaching, leadership and coaching, uh, what's out there for folks to look forward to? Yeah, I'm so glad you you said this because one of the things that I skipped over that we talk about in the class, which is really important, is just how big the wellness industry is and Mm. how much money people are spending on it. And I love that we that we talk about that explicitly because that's the practical aspect. You know, people are want to figure out how they can build a business and make money as a coach, which means that, you know, we need to know that people are spending money on this. It's very important. And we talk about other niches and accessories you can bring to your coaching practice, like mindfulness, like yoga. So what I would say is Lumia provides a really, really excellent foundation aligned with ICF standards on all the things that you need to be a really good coach. Mm. And the fact that it's credentialed by the ICF means that it meets certain standards around ethics and practice and all of that. I think it's a really good idea to find a corollary in your niche if it exists. Mm. So like mindfulness, um, mindfulness based stress reduction classes. Um, Again, kind of, they've come from John Kabat-Zinn's work, but like, they're backed by science, they're backed by research, you're learning how to practice ethically, you're learning what to look out for. And I know this can be a little um, sometimes controversial, like how much are these credentials work? 
worth depending on what the credential is. But I think learning from people who've done it a lot and know what to look out for and, and how to produce the best results and at the very minimum, do no harm is important. And that's if you're adding aromatherapy or you're adding yoga. Um, somebody has been doing it longer than you have and has some research, has some best practices, has some tools. And very practically speaking, you then don't have to like reinvent the entire wheel from scratch <laughs> to serve mm. people in this way. And so it's like really thinking about um, how to continue. And I do believe that whether it's a credentialed program or um, an indigenous healer or something else to constantly, the way to stay good at it as a coach is to remain a student forever constantly be learning and constantly be practicing. Beautifully put, beautifully put. And I, I'd, I'd love to capitalize on your point. Um, something that I've been thinking about a lot is the performative quality of education. Mm -hmm. And, you know, as coach practitioners to truly deepen our craft, uh, this is a field that's still emerging. It's only 35 years old. The infrastructure for our industry has yet to truly be built. Uh, the ICF scaffolding is excellent in terms of putting you know, true standards and ethics to the field in terms of experience and practice and mentorship. And there is no diploma. There is no be all end all. I I am this because of these credentials. And for coaches, the work that you're talking about is often invisible. Yeah. Because it truly makes you better in session. And that's something that as coach practitioners, we need to take, especially for uh, those of us, especially our instructor set who are outstanding high performers in life, yeah. that we kind of have to take with a lump of humility and say, well, this may go unseen, but I know that I'm truly working in service. Yeah, that's so true. Yeah. So a little bit back to where folks can find you. I know that you have some ideal client sets and I can't shout loudly enough from the rooftops that if there is an ideal client out there listening to you, please contact Charisse. <laughs> um, so who, who do you need to reach? Who are your people? Who are your clients? And where can folks find you? Yeah. So this is, um, I serve people in a number of different ways and I want to kind of shout out two areas. So with my one-on-one -on -one coaching clients, I, I work at the intersection of leadership and well-being, helping clients harness their strengths, fuel their visions and thrive. I support folks who are navigating a leadership transition. So maybe they've gotten a new role and they manage more people or they're managing people, managing people for the first time, or they're just taking on a new professional endeavor while at the same time wanting to be healthy. Well, a friend of mine turned me onto the word work-life harmony. <laughs> and I like that because I'm struggling with balance, but work-life harmony. 
So folks who want to play in both of those areas. Um, for the other piece of work, and I serve all people who are wanting to work through those things, lots, mostly women come to me. Um, but in the other area where I'm looking to serve even more is talks around my book, The Joy of Thriving While Black, from the lessons learned from writing it to lessons learned from doing my pre-sale campaign, which took a lot of humility, a lot of asking people for stuff, <laughs> a lot of transferable lessons there. And then I have talks around how to thrive while Black and how to thrive while Black at work. And I've been really working with a lot of employee resource groups, affinity groups, with HR teams. So I'm excited to grow that area of service. Um, my email address is hello at sharicemwilliams.com. And my website is www.sharicemwilliams.com. Wonderful. And thank you for sharing. Um, I I love that you're leading with this work right now. Um, where can folks find your book? Yeah, so you can find my book on my website, Barnes and Noble, Amazon, basically wherever books are sold. It's a fantastic read. Um, it feels like a warm hug and so did speaking with you today. I so appreciate your time, your mind, and your generosity in, in really sharing with us today and with all of our students on a regular basis. It's been such a pleasure, Noel. You have been a really important part of my journey as a coach and as an author. So your feedback and insights have mean, meant the world to me. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Everything Life Coaching. If you're feeling the draw to become a coach, head to lumiacoaching.com slash everything. Explore a new career that brings fulfillment, gives you a true sense of purpose, and a bold community to do it with. Lumia is ready to equip you with the tools, training, and community you will need to reach your goals. If you're ready to build a unique coaching business on your own terms while making an impact on the world at large, Lumia is the next bold step in your coaching journey. That's lumiacoaching.com slash everything. And hey, if you're waiting for a sign, this is it.